Good morning. Thank, thanks to Irma. Right. All right. Come on, boy. Come on, boy. Preach to myself. Preach to myself. You good? Yeah, brother, we're good. All right. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that was a... Uh... <laughs> Had to hear me twice. That would have been horrible, wouldn't it? Well, thanks to Irma, we got to uh, postpone it, and I'm thankful that we did um, because uh, I've told a lot of people that um, Dallas was supposed to preach this intro, and uh, it worked out to where um, it was time for me to preach it and um, because he had to go see another engagement. And so as I sat down and began to work through this, God began to work on me. And through a lot of prayers and a lot of tears, uh, God has uh, given me this to speak to you guys today. So I want you to know that, that um, I just want to give a lot of you guys hope. I think that's what this church is here for, to give the community hope. Amen? And so um, I just, you know, one of the things I think we're doing in our community now, the giving our community hope, is one thing we've done has been we've taken a small step, but we started um, feeding the football team. And, it, you know, that thing is very small. We've been sharing responsibility through connect groups. But I talked to the coach uh, last week, and uh, Charlie and I were talking, and, and he said, uh, he said, man, you don't know how much this means to a lot of these kids. I said, what, what you mean? He said, well, the newspaper was interviewing some of the seniors wanting to know, you know, what was different between last year and this year. And they was like, I don't really know, but they sure are feeding us good. <laughs> but it means a lot to those kids, and, and it's awesome to be able to go and love on those kids and, and just show them Jesus in a tangible way, not showing that we want you to come to church. We just want to show, hey, we love you. And because we love you, then they'll come to church. Amen? And so it's been a great thing. So I want us to celebrate that and, and continue. Um, football season is not over, so continue to love on, that, on our team. Um, they've been winning, so it's been working. But um, I'll keep praying and keep um, just showing those kids and showing the kids in our community that we love them and we care about them. And so and that's our cue to get started. Y'all ready? Um, but during this series, um, it's called A Better Story. And uh, I truly believe that God's going to do something behind the scenes in a lot of you guys' lives. I really believe that he's going to change a lot of the way you think through this series. But you have to, you have to promise to do three things, okay? Y'all want to promise with me? Y'all want to hear them first, huh? Skeptic society. All right, the first thing is I, I, I want you to realize that, that each message builds on the last one, okay? So none of these are standalone messages. Each thing's going to build on each other. So um, I want you to really commit, all right, to not missing a week. I want you to commit to not missing a week. And if you, something happens, life happens, you do miss a week, we got podcasts. Go listen to it because it's important that you listen to the series. Not that, not that I'm great, but what God's saying through this is going to be amazing, I believe. And so y'all commit to coming and staying with us through this because I really believe that the principles we're going to learn through this is going to break strongholds in a lot of our lives. Um, the next thing, I want you to participate. Okay? Amens are great. Amen. Amens are great. But not just amens to participate. When we ask you to go home and do something, go home and do it. Okay? And, and the last thing I want you to do is I want you to, to commit to sticking it out. Because we're going to be dealing with a lot of insecurities. We're going to be dealing with a lot of hurt from the past. And when you're dealing with things and you have to rethink things that happened to you in life, what do you what do we want to do? We're going to run from it, don't we? But the only way you deal with those hurt and the only way you get over that is you have to deal with the pain. You have to persevere through it. 
And you have to allow God to minister to you. So the only way you're going to just to keep going keep and make a commitment to stay. So I hope and pray that you guys will do that. And also, I want you to look around. There's a lot of empty seats. And, and one of my things is, I don't want anyone to miss this. I know a lot of people in my life that are hurting. I know a lot of people in my life that life has defined who they are instead of Jesus has defined who they are. And so I hope right now as I'm talking that someone is coming in your mind, invite them to church. Bring them with you. Because I want to see my God set the captives free. Amen. So before we go, let's, let's pray and we'll take off. Father, um, God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you, God, for each individual that's here. And Father, I just pray that you would just move. Um, God, speak through me. Lord, use me as your vessel. God, help me get, take me out of the way. And God, speak through me in a powerful way. God, I pray, Lord, that uh, Lord, you would minister to our hearts. And God, even the most guarded heart that's in here, the most skeptical heart that's in here, God, I pray that you would break the mold today. God, set the captives free. Help us realize and be vulnerable to you and your calling. Lord, help us listen to your voice. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, so this whole thing is about a better story. And I truly believe that, that God has a better story for your life. And the only way that we realize that is we realize that our identity is in Jesus. Y'all with me? And, and a lot of us don't even think that way. When I began to think about this series, A Better Story, I was like, man, that's just cliche-ish. I don't want to preach that. But then as I began to go through and think about what God had laid on Brandon's heart. See, the way we do series is each one of us pick what God's laid on our heart. And we, we, we talk about what God's laid on our heart for each campus. And then we go through that, that rotation. And it was Brandon's turn. And Brandon said, God's laid on my heart this. And he began to tell, me, tell us what God had laid on his heart. And I was like, man, that's awesome for somebody. You know, we always think about it's good for somebody else, don't we? That's just me, huh? But then when God starts dealing with us, it's like, oh, I didn't realize I was that jacked up. But the thing is, I want you to realize that the only way that our identity is going to be secure is we got to realize that he secured our identity on the cross. He sealed it. And when our identity is in anything else but him, we live a life of havoc, of emotional roller coaster. We don't know who we are. We're trying to please this person and that person. We're trying to make this identity, uh, this feeling. We're trying to suppress this feeling. So we're just, we don't know what to do. We're like a ping pong ball. Any of y'all ever get the feeling like that? Like you don't know what to do. You, you, you say one thing, I'll give you a great example. You, you say one thing to your wife. You come home. Ladies, I promise I ain't picking on you. This is just my life. Come home. Sabrina's had a bad day. I say, baby, baby, you look beautiful. Don't tell me I look beautiful. I've had a horrible day today. I was like, yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. Next day I come in, I don't say nothing. She's like, you just don't appreciate me, do you? I'm like, tell me what I need to do. Give me a manual to this thing. I don't know. But if, uh, yeah, I hear you. Amen, Sasha. But see, the thing is, if my identity is wrapped up in, in, in my wife, then my emotions are all over the place. One day I feel accepted. One day I feel rejected. One day I don't know how to act, and I'm like in a, in a turmoil. And a lot of us do life in turmoil. We're anxious. We're depressed because we've allowed life to define who we are instead of Jesus defining who we are. Y'all tracking with me this morning? 
And so I want us to realize that, that our identity is in Christ. In the beginning, God created us to have a true relationship with him. Man, it's awesome when I read Genesis and I hear talking about how Adam and Eve walk with God in the cool of the day. I was like, man, how awesome would it be to be walking through the forest? I, like, I love hunting, and it thinks about every time I go to my deer stand. How awesome would it be to be walking to my deer stand and, and the God of the universe walking right by me? Saying, what's up, son? That's how he talks to me. I say, I'll know that. I got a hip God. <laughs> He's like, what's up, son? What you doing? How, how, how's, how's everything been going? Like, I, I, I desire that. And see, that's what happened in the beginning. But see, if we don't know our identities in Christ, we allow other things to come in between us. And before you know it, there's a gap there, and you're not walking in relationship with Jesus because you allowed other voices and other things to come in and complicate that. Anybody walking in what I'm stepping in? So we forget those things. And I think a lot of times we forget how much God values us, how he sees us. And, and, and we put more weight in the opinions of other people than we do about God. I mean, God knew how jacked up you were going to be. He knew the mistakes you were going to make. He knew those things before he even made you. Did that show you how much value he has in you? Your mess-ups, your past don't, don't make God love you less and God love you more. And so we live this life, but see, when we live this life thinking that I have to do this to be appeased by God or be approved by God or I have to do that to be approved by God, we live a life listening to the voices of everybody else. And if this person's happy with me, then okay, I feel accepted, I feel good. But if this person's upset with me, then I'm, I'm, I'm messed up, I'm broken. And we live this life of the turmoil. And it jacks up our relationships, it jacks up our families, and it jacks up our relationship with God. And the next thing you know, we're hopeless. We're in turmoil, and it's like, if this is all there is to life, what is the point? I've been there a few times. But I'm here to tell you, if that's you today, I want to tell you, God has a better story for your life. God has a better story for your life. But the thing is, what you got to do today is you got to drop the pen. Amen? And you got to let him pick it up and let him write it. Because when, him, him, when God writes your story, it's way better than you could ever do. Because we're writing our story based on our experiences, based on people's approval, not based on God. You know, many of us, our whole identity is wrapped up in our own, in our own self-worth. It's, all, it's wrapped up in what we think, what others think. And you know what? When we, feel when we feel like we disappointed somebody or people don't approve of us, guess what? Our whole world is robbed. And we're hurt. And you know what happens? We start building up walls in our life. Some of y'all, your heart looks like Jericho. You with me? I mean, it's like a fortified fortress. Nobody's getting in there, not even God. Because you've been hurt so many times by so many people, you don't trust anybody anymore. You've got all these walls built up, and you will never, ever feel the, the security and the peace that God wants you to have because you've built all these walls up because your identity has been crushed because you've been thinking, everybody's let you down, everybody's hurt you. And you will never feel the goodness and gracious of God unless you allow to let those walls down. And so reality now is that your whole life is built on self-reliance. It's all about, I can take care of me. And you build up these walls, and whenever somebody tries to break that wall down, you know what you do? You push them away. You shun them because you're scared of the hurt you're going to feel. Because your identity is wrapped up in what people think about you. 
instead of what God thinks about you. You know, our emotions and our whole ideology a lot of times is shaped by our experiences. It's shaped by, by our emotions. I know our emotions are very real. I'm not, I'm not downplaying our emotions because I'm an emotional person. But sometimes our emotions are not an accurate view of the reality, okay? I, I, I'm, um, when after we had Payson, we'd come home from the hospital, and, man, we were sitting there, and Payson had been crying. We were brand-new parents. Sabrina was crying because her hormones were all over the place, and I was crying because I didn't know what to do. And I was like, we're, we're going to mess this kid up. He's going to need therapy. Sabrina was like, I know. She was crying. And then she looked at me and she said, shut up. Just shut up. And our emotions were not reality, okay? We, we, were in a, we were in a bad place at the time, but our emotions were not real, okay? It was real to us, but it didn't, didn't display what reality was because Payson's going to be fine. God's going to take care of him, even if we try to mess him up. God's going to be with him, you know? And so I think we got to realize that our emotions, sometimes they feel very real, but they really fool us. And, they, and if we allow them to captivate us, they hold us paralyzed. There's a lot of you in this room that you've been paralyzed by fear, and you're not taking your next step because you're scared. You've been told you're not good enough. You've been told that you will never be this, that you will never overcome the past. And so you stay just, just in a place of condemnation. I mean, you're, a lot of times who we are and the things we do have been shaped by our past, right or wrong. The good stuff and the bad stuff shapes who we are. I know that in my own life to be true. But if you're a child of God, you've got to realize your identity is in Jesus. And if it's not in Jesus, you need to start taking out the trash that's holding you back. Amen? And some of y'all is going to need a little trash can about the size that you put in your bathroom. But some of y'all is going to need some of them hefty bags. Maybe a dumpster. But you got to be willing to take the trash out. Because there's one thing to see the trash. There's another thing to pick it up. And through this series, you're going to be challenged to do that. But I promise that if you will, God's going to have a better story for your life. You know, you go all the way back, and I think about somebody. I think about Joseph. In Genesis 37, when I think about Joseph, a lot of times I feel like I could be in Joseph's shoes. You know, he knew the promise that God gave him. He knew what God had done, told him. He, God gave him a vision when he was a child. He didn't know what to do with it. So what did he do? He just blurted it out and told everybody that he was going to be pretty much, he was going to rule over his brothers. What happened? His brothers got jealous over him. Joseph, he was the favorite. Life was great. All of a sudden, his brothers takes him, throws him in a pit because of their jealousy. Things went from bad to worse. You know, he, he was, so he gets thrown in the pit. Then, then they sell him to slay into slavery. They sell him to someone else. He goes on. Uh, Potiphar buys him to run his house. He's running Potiphar's house. Life is finally great again, okay? Then all of a sudden, he's been doing the right thing. Any of y'all been doing the right thing and felt like he got chastised for it? Huh? He, he was doing the right thing, and then all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife came in there and said, hey, hey, boy, hey, well, boy, come on in here. Let's come into the bedroom with me. He was like, I can't do that. I don't want to honor my God. And so he was doing the right thing, but then she lied on him. He got put in prison. He's in jail. I imagine he's thinking, what have I done now? What did I do to deserve this? I'm doing the right thing, but I'm in prison. He's in prison. Doing, just being himself. 
following the Lord. These two guys were in there and they were having, they, they, were, they, were, they, were, got, they felt like they got thrown in prison for the wrong reasons. He interpreted the dream. He told them what their destiny was. He said, but when you get out, remember me and tell the king, tell Pharaoh. When they get out, what happens? He forgot about him. So he put his trust in someone, then they let him down. You know, and a lot of us, and then finally, he got, the guy remembered him when there was nobody else to fix the situation. How many of you feel like that? You get called on when, when everything when everything else, they get said, everybody else, they call on you. That's how Joseph felt. They called on Joseph. They bring him out, and he, uh, he begins to um, tell, the king, tell Pharaoh what his dream, and all of a sudden, he got promoted from the prison to the palace, baby. Woo, that's exciting to me. I don't know about you. Because you in the deepest, darkest pit, God can bring you out of that and bring you up here to a place of position. Amen? He can bring you out of that stuff. And he brought him out, and he was in second in command. And God allowed him all the junk that he went through to minister to his heart. So when his brothers came, he was able to be a vessel to save his own family because of that. And I know that sounds like a great story, but I imagine most of the time Joseph felt horrible. I imagine a lot of times his emotions were telling him, God's left you. I imagine a lot of times his emotions have told him, you need to just quit following God because evidently he hates you for all the stuff that you're going through. Satan tries to put that stuff in your head and put that doubt to make you want to turn back and quit. But when your identity is not in God, you will quit. But when it is in God, when he is your rock, you, you, can, you got to cast out those voices. So Joseph is a great story of that. I think when we're walking in this and realizing, trying to figure out is our identity in Christ or not, I think we have to do a couple of things. And the first thing I think is we have to remember that our circumstances don't define us, okay? You may be in a bad place right now, but that circumstance, that place you're in is not who you are, amen? I mean, Joseph, Joseph was, his brothers were jealous of him. It was nothing Joseph did. Joseph could have went back and was like, what did I do wrong? How many of us, when somebody is offended with us, the first thing we think is, what did I do? I know that's me because I struggle with, with acceptance sometimes. And so it's like, what did I do? Well, what did I do wrong? Why are you mad at me? I hadn't done anything. Seems like a reoccurring nightmare in my head sometimes. But it's like, you know, and so Joseph sitting there in a situation, he has to realize that, that just because he's in that pit, he didn't do anything wrong. It didn't define who he was. Y'all with me? It's because of the jealousy that they felt, and it was the rejection that they felt. They had an identity crisis, which caused them to be wrong toward him. You know, Potiphar's wife put him in a bad place, because, but he chose the right thing. So you may be in a bad situation, and your circumstances are jacked up, but if you choose the right thing, God's always going to honor that. Amen? I told you to participate. Y'all better come on. And then the other thing is that he was, he was imprisoned. Joseph was imprisoned. He held up his part of the deal, but he was in a bad spot. Our circumstances don't always have, don't show us the right picture sometimes. A lot of times we think that just because we're in a bad spot, just because we think that, that, that 
you know, the money hadn't came in or that, that this hadn't happened or, or the family's falling apart. We think that that is, that I have done something wrong. And sometimes it's because of our sin, but a lot of times it's because God's using the bad stuff to show you how great he is. Amen? I look through all the junk in my life, all the bad stuff, all the stuff that, that, that you would say is bad. And I can look back now and say, just like Joseph, everything that you meant for evil, God meant for good. Amen? Because he's used all the, even the bad stuff that I thought defined who I was to make me stronger, to make me better. And if I'd never went through the darkest of valleys, I would have never been able to see the brightest of light. Amen? And so you got to realize your circumstances don't define you. We have to realize that our past is not who we are. Ooh, I got to tell myself that a lot too. The abuse is not, you, you were not abused because something was wrong with you. The letdown, the pain, the hurtful words, the way people have shunned you. You're not identified by the divorce. Y'all hear me? You're not identified by the drugs. You're not identified by what your in-laws think. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> I had a clap on that one. I didn't even really. That's the thing. We're not identified by those things. I mean, I want you to understand that God didn't make any junk. Okay? He didn't make any junk. You're not junk. No matter what you heard your whole life, you're not junk. God made you. Some of you are like, well, I wish he would have made this a little different, that a little different. Look, he made you the way you are because that's what he wanted to do. Be grateful. He could have put your nose on top of your head. Up here. Then you, what? what <laughs> well, that's another thing. Y'all look at your neighbor right now and say, you're not junk. Come on. Look to your other neighbor and say, you're not junk. And if there ain't no neighbor, just look down yourself. I think we have to realize, we have to, we have to hear that affirmation of realizing I'm not junk because a lot of times we think we've messed up so much in our life that there's no way God's going to put the pieces back together again. And the next thing you know, we're identified by all the pain, by all the failure, by all the problems that we didn't have right before we met Jesus, and we allow that, all that past to make us who we are right now, and we don't think we can step into this relationship with Christ and have a life more abundantly because we're still taking, dragging all the trash behind us because your identity is wrapped up in you and not in Christ. And I understand this is hard. It's a hard thing to imply because you have to cut loose of all that stuff. And it don't happen today. It don't happen all at once. It's a gradual process of giving things to Christ, giving things to God, and not taking them back. I told a lady this week, we were talking, and she was talking about how much she struggles with different things. I said, your problem is, is you take things to the altar, and you pray, but when you get up, you pick them back up, and you take them home with you. And we've got to bring stuff to God, and we've got to lay them. We've got to pick them up. We've got to lay them right here on this altar, and we've got to turn around and leave it there. And trust that my God is big enough to take care of that junk that's on the altar. Amen? Because we, a lot of times, we'll reach back and we pick it up because we don't trust he can handle it. So we'll pick it up, and we're like, you know what? I'm going to take care of this. And, you know, and we walk around. Next thing you know, we're causing havoc. We're wrecking stuff all over the place because we're carrying our own junk instead of giving it to God. Y'all thought I was just going to drink that, didn't you? Out of purpose. So how many of us are wrecking 
our lives. And it's a constant thing. We're causing drama and there's all this stuff we're carrying. But, and you can trace it all back to this one event, this one thing, or these series of things that's happened. And you won't let go of it because you've allowed it to, 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 to be who you are. I don't know how many times I've heard, that's just who I am. I can't get over this. I can't get over that. You've got to realize that. We fall into the same trap that Adam and Eve did, okay? The second thing we have to do is we have to realize and be careful of what voices we listen to. Amen? Adam and Eve, epic saga. Chapter 3 in Genesis, verse 1 says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you must not eat of the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, from, eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Then the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and was pleasing for the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and ate it and she also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. God said one thing and then Satan comes like, did he really say that? See, we got to be careful what voices we listen to. Because if they would have constantly, if they would have said, look, I'm listening to the God that I walk with every day, you need to shut up. Sometimes we need to tell people that. We need to tell Satan that. I tell my connect group a lot. I, 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 I rebuke Satan a lot. Sometimes people think I'm riding in church. They think I'm talking to myself. I'm like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I got to because I got to protect my mind. Amen? Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if we're not on guard, we're not protecting ourselves and our minds, he's going to destroy your life. But you have to realize that if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. And so we have to realize, we have to listen to what voices we listen to. The voices outside, I want to tell you, if we've listened to the wrong voices, it will distort the way we look at life. Any, any of y'all ever been to the fair? You ever been to the fair? It's getting that time, a season again. Remember, remember those mirrors you used to walk in? The, old, the mirrors at, the, at the, the carnival? You'd walk in it, and all of a sudden, you'd be normal, and all of a sudden, whoop, your head would get big. Some of you, that mirror is real every day. But, or, or you walk through, and, and your eyes are kind of like the filters on the Snapchat to my, to my uh, 30 and below generation. But, um, but you walk through, and all, it's, got, it's you in the mirror, but it's distorted. It's not an accurate view of who you are, you know? You got a little old bitty head and a big old mouth. Little old head, big old eyes. I mean, it just, it distorts the way you look. And if we're listening to the voices of everybody else, it distorts the view in which we look at ourselves. It's kind of like what TV does to women now. It's like you have to look this way. You have to have this look. You have to be this way. You have to be able to wear a size one. You know what I'm saying? Everything has to be perfect about you. And if you don't fit the mold that the, the, that, that the world puts out there, then you feel like you're broken. You're, 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 you're jacked up. You, you don't fit in. So you struggle your whole life to fit into the mold the world throws out there, always feeling like you're less. When God created you the way he did, you need to be happy with the way you are. 
and so you got women that are fighting their whole life to look like Cindy Crawford, and then you got people that like Cindy Crawford trying their whole life to keep looking that way because that's how they feel acceptance. That's how they feel love. But their whole life has been bought into this lie. We allow things, and we listen to the wrong voices. You see yourself as if you're looking into a mirror, and it's you, but it's not really you. How many of us have bought into that lie? See, we often listen to the wrong voices around us, and if we're not careful, the voices around us become louder than the voice within us. Anybody experience that? We live to please people. We, live to, we listen to the voices of the past and past failures. We, we live listening to, to looking at someone else's achievements and then being consumed by what they've got and what I don't have, and we're envious and bitter toward other people. They haven't done anything to us. We're just upset that we have it. They got what we don't have. All that. Any of y'all feel some of that? Some of y'all too ashamed to nod your head. But the reality is we get that way because our identity is wrapped up in what other people think instead of what Christ thinks in us. And it's a hard thing to get asked to I understand. As I began to write this, this, this sermon out, I told, I told my, my people just at 10 o'clock that I just I had to rewrite the first page because it was just covered in tears. Because I've realized how much of my own life has been shaped by what other people think, other people's approval. And you know what's crazy? is people change their minds like they change underwear. One day, one day they feel good about you. Next day they don't. And then you know what you're doing? You're like jumping from this side to this side. You're like that dancing chicken at the fair. And one day you're just tired of dancing. And you just want to jump off. You're tired of it because you're listening to the wrong voices. People aren't constant. You know, a great example is, I heard, I heard Brandon say this one day, and it's always stuck with me, is, you know, we grew up, and I remember growing up in high school, growing up in, in our community, people, you know, society has told women, and men, and men too, that the only way you feel accepted is you have to have sex before you get married. If you're dating somebody, you, you know, you need to go ahead and do that, because if not, they're going to leave you. I had a story of a, of a, of a girl the past couple weeks. They were uh, at the hospital, and they were doing things, and um, they were talking about different things, and the, the girl was sick, and the lady said, uh, you ain't pregnant, are you? The girl was like, no, I don't, I don't do that. I said, what you mean you don't do that? She's like, no, I'm a, I'm, I don't do that. I, I've, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I've, never, I mean, I've, never, I've never done that before. I've never had sex before. I'm, I'm, I'm following Christ. And the lady was like, you got a boyfriend? She was like, yeah. She's like, hmm, well, he's, you know, he's seeing somebody. He might not be seeing you, but he's seeing somebody. That can kill you if you have a relationship and you've got this insecurity. That's what the world thinks, that if it, it, you have to be accepted to have sex outside of marriage. You know what happens, though? Our world throws that out there, that, that the only way for you to feel comfort, the only way for you to feel accepted, the only way for a relationship to last is you have to have sex before you get married, and then you do that, and then, what, then, the, world, then the world categorizes you as a... Category, I'm trying to think of a good word to say this, but as a hoe. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, oh, now you, you know, you slip around to get acceptance. Now you're sleeping around, and now you know you just, you're undesirable. Nobody wants you. So now you walk around like, what do I do? I'm, I'm not good this way, and then I'm not good that way. What am I supposed to do? Because the world has a double standard. 
And God's word is true in only one way. And the only way we feel real acceptance and real love is through truly following Christ. And some of y'all are like, I can't believe he just had hoe in the church. <laughs> I said it twice. But that's the reality of it, though. We listen to the wrong voices, and it begins to consume us. And, and next thing you know, we don't know who we are because we're depending on everybody else to tell us who we are. So we feel broken. We feel damaged. We feel like there is no way we will ever be used by God because we're listening to what everybody else says, and we're in this emotional turmoil inside. And only we get freed from that is following Christ. The next thing that happens, though, number three, is that we have to rid ourselves of condemnation. See, the moment that you feel like you're not approved in God's eyes or, or you failed somebody, ultimately what happens is you feel condemned. What is condemnation? Condemnation is feeling a very strong disapproval. Like you feel like somebody is very strongly disapproving of you. Somebody's disappointed in you. Nobody, nobody in this room wants to let someone down. We want to do our best. We want to please everyone. We want no one upset with us. Reality is that never works. Like I said, the world has a double standard. You, if you're following Christ, you're going to upset somebody. Amen? So if we're listening to the wrong voices, we're driven by emotion, then we often find ourselves in a place of condemnation. Just like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve listened to the wrong voices. They listened to Satan. They ate the fruit. Their eyes were open, and immediately they felt condemned. They used to walk with God in the cool of the day, and what did they do? They went and hid from God. We'll read this in Genesis 3, verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves, to get fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The man and his wife heard the sound of God, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to them, Where are you? Oh, Lord, there's a lot of people in this room. God's saying, where are you right now? And he answered, I hear you. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I have commanded you not to eat from? And then the man said, the woman, let's put the blame on somebody else. The woman that you gave me here, she gave me some fruit to eat, and I ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, why have you done this? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. And what you see there, right there in black and white, is that when we listen to the voices of the wrong, we listen to the wrong voices, we feel condemnation. And what happens, God didn't move, but Adam and Eve did. And I want to tell some of you in here right now, you're in a place right now where you don't feel like God's listening to you. God didn't move. You did. And we, there's, this, there's this gap that happens when we're walking in this condemnation. We feel like we'll never be accepted. We'll never be good enough. We'll always walk in that valley and never realize that God's got more for your life. I mean, our experiences often lie to us about our identity. And, and, but our experiences are real, right? I mean, it's tangible. We feel those things, but, but they, they lie to us. We often try to impress God, like we try to be good little boys, all right? We're like a good little boy, a good little girl trying to find daddy's approval. And, you know, the moment that you do something wrong, then daddy's mad at you. 
We've got this performance driven. We think we have to do enough good so that daddy will be mad. And the moment that we feel like we do something outside and and God's displeased with us, then we feel like we have to go earn his love again. And some of you have been trying to earn God's love by trying to do good things. And it's not about doing good things. It's about surrendering and giving it to him. He paid the price of that on the cross. Amen? And we walk in this condemnation thinking we have to, we have to move it. We have to, we have to do enough good stuff to outweigh the bad stuff. And what happens is you will exhaust yourself and want to quit because God didn't design you to do that. He called you to give it to him. And when you're trying to work so hard and you're trying to make yourself better, you're walking around just like this again. And you're wreaking havoc on all these situations, all these problems, all these people. You're just, you're just beating people up because you're trying to do things on your own instead of giving it to God. We just, we, we, we try to, and we fall into condemnation. We try to just keep performing, trying to make God love us more. Condemnation, guys, is a heavier weight than we can bear. And we wasn't designed to function under that, let alone, let, let alone thrive. And God don't want you just to make do. He wants you to thrive. Amen? And we've been, a lot of you have been walking around looking like, looking like a troll. I've been just hunched over because you got all this junk on your back. And you've been walking through life your whole entire life. Maybe you feel like you have to please God because you've never ever been able to please your parents at home. They've always been something wrong. You ain't never done a good enough job for nothing. They always got some kind of criticism. So you, you walk away thinking that you, have, you, you can't please your earthly parents, so you're trying to do all this stuff to please God, and you feel like you keep falling short. And what you do is you're just walking with this weight, and then you carry it on into your marriage, and you don't feel like you're, you're pleasing your spouse because you're trying to work in this performance-based relationship, and you're like, well, I don't have a godly marriage. I'm not a godly man. I'm not a godly woman. I'm failing God. It gets heavier and heavier, and eventually it gets to the place where you're on your knees, and you can't hardly Go, because you're trying to do this on your own. And what I love about my God is that when you truly surrender your life to him and you realize that your identity is not in what no one thinks of you, but you're approved in God's sight, he picks you up off of your knees and he says, you are my child whom I'm well pleased. Amen. Some of y'all got to get up in the morning and tell yourself that. Because your identity is not wrapped up in your experiences. We often deal with with, with identity and condemnation, we, we feel like what happens if we don't deal with the condemnation, it inevitably, it separates us from God. And a lot of you are walking in a place right now where you've been condemned for so long. You think that, that you, you've been identified by the death. You've been identified by the abuse. You've been identified by the divorce. You've been identified by what people think about you. You've been identified by all this stuff. You, you hear all the junk that people say. Oh, Lord, in a small community, y'all better be amen to me. I'm telling you, you'll get bogged down. You'll get bogged down. And the biggest truck with the biggest tires can't pull you out. I'm speaking to them from an inner redneck right now. But, but you have to realize that God didn't make you for that. It doesn't matter what people think. It only matters what God thinks. You know, people are, 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 and condemnation will lead you away from God. It never leads you to Jesus. It always leads you away from Jesus. And if you find people that once were in church and now they're not, the problem is, is that they are walking in condemnation. They feel there's a separation there. And we can't allow that to happen. 
and you might deal with a little bit of condemnation, you know what happens? You will never experience the relationship God wants you to have with him if you keep it there. He don't want any condemnation in your life because Jesus came to pay the price of condemnation in our lives. Amen? Why should we deal with it constantly? You know, and a lot of people, and, and even myself, I, I was, I was, I've always been afraid to preach more grace because I want pe- I'm, I'm scared that if you preach more grace, people are going to use it for a license to sin. You know, if you say, all our, all our sins are covered by the grace of God, God gives grace and mercy, and that is the truth. Can I get an amen in the house? That's the truth. God covered us with grace and mercy, but we live in this performance-based attitude in which we think we have to perform enough. You can't mess up too much for God not to love you. You can't do enough for God not to love you, but what you are in control of is how much he is pleased with you. And that comes with obeying God. But a lot of times we won't preach grace. We won't preach the grace of God, how God's grace, mercy covers our sins. The moment we follow Jesus, it's just as, we call that big church word justification. It's just as if I never sinned. From that moment on, if you're following Christ, you're going to fall, you're going to you're going to mess up. But you know what? Jesus is covering you from that moment on. It don't matter about your mistakes. But the thing is, people are scared to preach that because it's saying it's like you're preaching two gospels. People think, well, if you preach that, then people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, I can do anything I want to because I'm covered by the grace of God. But the reality is this. If you're truly a child of God and God changes your life, you won't live, you won't live life as that to be a license to sin. You'll live it as a life to glorify God. Amen? So the problem with most pastors and even myself and God's changing my thinking in that is we have to stop worrying about it. it's about what I say and it's about what the Spirit leads. Amen? And so maybe, maybe, maybe life's going good for you today. Maybe, maybe everything's good. Maybe everything's comfortable. But, in t- but, but, you, but you leave here and you walk into a restaurant and you're confronted with it. You, you, you see that person. You see them. And all of a sudden, it reminds you of something you jacked up. What happens then? What happens then? I'll tell you what happens then. All of a sudden, your stomach gets in a knot. That's what happens to me. All of a sudden, that moment where I felt like I was not pleasing God comes back to my memory. All of a sudden, I feel just like I had felt the moment it happened. You know why? Because I'm walking in condemnation. I never truly dealt with it. You know the thing, I tell, when I was a kid, my mom used to tell me to sweep up the kitchen. You know what I used to do? I'd, I'd pick up the rug and I'd sweep it under the rug every time. But you know what? My mama could tell. Because when you, put, you keep putting stuff under the rug, eventually it's going to be lumped up. And you'll trip over it. You can only keep sweeping stuff under the rug for so long, church, until eventually you're going to fall. And when you see them, and when you see it, all of a sudden you're, you're, just, you're just hit with condemnation. The failures of the past. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's a failure that you don't feel like you, you led your kids good enough or, or, that you, or, that you, or that you read your Bible enough. I mean, it's, it's, it's anything that, that can make you feel like you're less than what God made you to be. And you begin to condemn yourself. You begin, you begin feeling condemned. I mean, you're thinking, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be depressed. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't have anxiety. You start beating yourself up. 
You said, I, sh- I shouldn't keep going further along. I, shouldn't, I should be further along with this. I shouldn't struggle with this anymore. Why? And you start walking in this condemnation thinking that you're not good enough and you will never overcome this thing in your life because you allowed this thing to define who you are. You allowed this person, their manipulation to make you who you think you are. We allow these things to paralyze us, church. We often find ourselves numb to everything else. That's why so many people turn. That's, that's why I turned to alcohol. I just wanted to numb the pain. That's why so many people turn to drinking and, and drugs. That's why so many people turn to pornography. They just want to numb the pain. They want to feel accepted. They want to feel loved. And, and they're trying, they're, what they're doing is they're, is they're corrupted. They're using one thing to appease something else that's missing in their life. And they're going to the stuff that, that's always going to leave them bankrupt instead of going to the Savior. Because I could never drink enough to drown my sorrows. I could for the moment. But guess what? They were there in the morning with a bass drum beating in my head. They were always there in the morning. It never went away. But my God has got this magic eraser that when you truly give it to him and you truly deal with it, it may take a year, it may take a month, it may take a day. But he has a way of erasing all this junk that you carry. But you have to be willing to bring it to him. And some of you, your condemnation is a lot like a, a friendly dog. You can tra- a stray dog, maybe. You can drop that thing off somewhere else and it'll show up at the house in the morning. And you've been trying your best to get rid of this condemnation. You've been dropping it off at the altar, but somehow by Tuesday, it's back home. You're trying your best not to let it just eat at you, but it keeps knocking away. And next thing you know, a little piece by look, you're good on Monday, but by Friday, you're a wreck because you've allowed that stuff to keep knocking you off every day, little by little. It's chiseling away your confidence. It's chiseling away your pride. It's chiseling away the way you think of yourself every day. You can't deal with it on your own. You got to give it to him. You know, our identity is our story. And we always feel like, like we often we feel like it's always going to be that way. And I'll tell you my story right now, a little piece of it. Because I'm jacked up. And I tell you all the time, we in this thing together, right? So I'm just as messed up as some of you. Maybe not as some of you. I'm playing. But I realized through this that I have a performance mentality. That when things, man, you give me a goal, baby, we going to get it. You hear me? I wish I would have had some athletic ability because, man, I would have been a great quarterback. But I, I can see something, and God can give me something, and I'm like, all right, we're going. Guns are blazing. Let's go. But you know what? As long as things are going great, I feel accepted by God. But when things start feeling, when, when things start going wrong, things are not happening the way I think they should happen, when, when people aren't getting saved, when, when people aren't really truly following Jesus, it comes, I, I walk in this condemnation of Jeremy. What are you doing wrong? What, what, you're, not ple- you're not pleasing God. And I feel like that if, if things are not going great, then I... I'm not pleasing God, and, and I walk in this condemnation. The next thing you know, I'm covered. I, I got this anxiety that I'm going to be a failure, and I got this. Then, I, then if I'm not dealing with that, I'm not. If I'm not, if I'm not rebuking that in Jesus' name, next thing you know, I'm walking in condemnation, and I'm in. I'm, I'm depressed, and I realized. I realized Monday, 
And my whole problem, the past six months, I've been walking this in, a, in a state of depression, thinking that I'm not good enough to do this thing for God. And I'm not telling you that to make you feel sorry for me, because that's why I don't tell people stuff, because I want people pitying me. But that's the thing is, is I struggle just like you do. And some of us are too prideful to open our mouths and just be honest with where we are. And what happens is we stay stuck in the same spot for 50 years and we never experience the goodness of God. Let me tell you the feeling I felt up there, upstairs in my little office at my house at 4 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning. Yeah, 4 o'clock. Crying my eyes out to God. I felt peace. I felt release. And I was like, Jesus, I love you. Satan, get out of my house. Get out of my life. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus because I am more than a conqueror. My identity is not wrapped up in this church. It's wrapped up in you. And when you start doing that, you start feeling peace and comfort. And that's what I want you to experience. Because once you realize your identity is not wrapped up in who you are, but it's who you are in Christ, everything changes. See, there's hope here, guys. Because it says in Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God said he will do these things. You don't have to give yourself a new heart. He will give you a new heart. Amen? You won't be good enough to put that new heart in yourself. My God has to do that. That should give you peace and comfort of knowing that he gave you a new heart. He's going to continue that. But what happens is we start walking in this condemnation. We start walking in this thing of wondering if we're good enough. Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, there is, no, there is now no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you a little secret about condemnation. When Jesus died on the cross... He nailed condemnation to the cross because we were condemned. There was no hope for any of us in this room apart from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when he gave his life, he lived his life perfect before men. He lived it out every single day, looking at your life, wanting you to live this life free from condemnation, free from the burden. We were condemned to hell because there was no way we could please God except through Jesus. And when Jesus paid the price, he took that word, condemnation, and he nailed it on the cross. So that you can live a life and live it more abundantly. But see, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not truly following Christ, you will always walk in condemnation. You will always feel condemned. You will always feel not good enough. You will always feel not accepted unless you truly have surrendered your life to Jesus. That don't mean we don't fight with it when you are saved. But if you don't know Jesus, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are walking in condemnation every day. And there's only one way to change that. And that's to truly surrender your life to Christ. Truly give your life to Jesus and say, you know what? I don't want to be condemned to hell anymore. I want to walk in the freedom that only Jesus Christ gives me. Maybe you want, to, maybe you want that today. Maybe you need to realize that God's designed you for more. Maybe you need to realize that God created you for a relationship with him before you were even born. The junk that you've done in your life don't matter. Maybe today is the day that you say, you know what? I need to truly surrender my life to Christ. Maybe you've been searching for worth. Maybe you've been like this country song, searching for love in all the wrong places. 
Maybe in doing that, and, and, and you always feel empty, you always feel, and you've never truly given your life to Christ. I just want to, God, I just want to give you the opportunity right now to, to surrender, to raise your hand and say, I want that abundant life. I want to follow Christ. I want to surrender my life to Jesus so we can celebrate with you, so that we can, we can walk this with you. The thing we do about Connection Church is we, we're like, we're like the, the military. Huh? We don't leave no man behind. Amen. If you, if you raise your hand, you want salvation, you want to follow Christ, we're going to walk with you from, from hell to heaven. Amen? So if that's you today, and you truly want to give your life to Christ, you really haven't had that relationship, you've been walking in condemnation your whole life, just raise your hand. So we want to, we want to give you that opportunity. We want to celebrate with you today. All right. Well, that leaves the rest of us church mice see the key to this guys is we got to see ourselves the way Jesus sees us and the only way we do that is if we truly surrender those things to him and I'm going to talk real to you right now by not raising your hand you're making the the proclamation that you are right with God and you're following Jesus and I'm excited for that. Praise God. For some of you that aren't sure, or some of you that don't really know, you don't know if you're approved in God's eyes. You don't know anything. You're, you're walking in condemnation right now. You might have taken the first step, but you don't keep taking steps because you're just paralyzed by stuff that's happened, stuff that you've done. And the only way you're going to experience this life that God's called you, the only way you're going to be the person God's created you to be is for you to walk out of that and deal with that. And over the next five weeks, we're going to be unpacking what are the sore spots in our life? What are the things that, that, that cause me to feel this way? And, and we're going to try to help you. Walk out of condemnation and into a life of freedom. Amen? So this time while Gerson's playing, I know he's been playing forever, he feels like, going to give this time just a, just a short time as the band comes up for you guys if, if God's moving in your heart and, and, and you because a lot of you feel like this bride right now this runaway bride right now you're wanting to run right now you're like you know what I got to get out of this place I ain't coming back till they preach a new series because I ain't dealing with this stuff sometimes some of you right now need to pray and come to this altar and say God concrete my feet so I can't leave so that I can deal with this so I can get freedom from this because this has been haunting me and I will never be what you called me to be unless you help me deal with this. And that's what this time's for. And the reality is, the amount in which you respond shows how much you truly love God. And how much you truly say that you're following the Christ that you say you are. I want to be the best Jeremy that God created me to be. So guess what? I don't care what none of y'all fools think. That's how you should be too. Let's be real. Let's be transparent. That's who we say we are, right? So let's do work today and allow God to do it in our life. God will meet me at this altar. And let's pray for God to change us. Let's pray for God to move in us. Let's pray for God to help us deal with this condemnation we feel. Let's help God, ask God to help us form our identity around him. Father God, we come right now to you boldly. And God, having confidence in knowing 
of how good of a God you are. And God, I thank you for loving me. Despite my imperfections, God. I thank you for loving me, God. Despite what I think of myself some days. Father, I pray, God, that you would move in our hearts, Lord, and we would really be real, we'd really be transparent today. That we wouldn't sit our butts in this seat, but God, we would truly, God, surrender and truly ask you to do work in our hearts. God, move in us today. God, a lot of us walk, walk through this life with a big scab where we've been wounded, we've been hurt. And we won't take the Band-Aid and put on it to protect it for a while. No, we just keep living with this scab open. And every time you turn around, something bumps it. And, and, and it keeps getting fresh. And it keeps getting hurt. And we walk over in bitterness. And, and God, and Lord, help us realize that we need to put the Band-Aid of your son Jesus over the wounds of our life. So that we can heal, Lord. So God, today I pray, Father, for those that don't think they need healing. I pray, God, you would show them where they're wounded. I pray you would show them their scars. I pray, God, that you would move in their hearts, God, so they can seek restoration and reconciliation to you. God, help us be your transparent, real church. And help us, Lord, not be a church that's just coming to look pretty on Sundays. In your name, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.